You're listening to audio from Embassy Church. We exist to advance the message and ministry of Jesus in the city of Bloomington, on the campus of IU, and to the ends of the earth. Psalm 8 uh, says this, Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. You have covered the heavens with your majesty. From the mouths of infants and nursing babies, you have established a stronghold on account of your adversaries in order to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I observe your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you set in place, what is a human being that you remember him, a son of man that you look after him? You made him little less than God and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all the sheep and oxen, as well as the animals in the wild, the birds of the sky, the fish of the sea that pass through the currents of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thanks, Pastor. Hello, my name is Derek, as he said. I'm the, the college director here for the Salt Company. Uh, so I work with college students and I'm depressed all summer. Um, but uh, I'm glad to be here, so I'm not actually depressed this summer uh, yet. But I, uh, I'm excited to preach from Psalm 8, as you just read. It's, it's simple, it's to the point, it's direct, it begins and ends the same way. And in the middle, David just kind of asked this question of, who am I? You know, what, what's a human being that you, the God of the universe, are, are mindful of me? And, and really, as I've been going through the Psalms, even just, we're through Psalm 17 now, I think, in the summer reading plan, it's, it's like a little redundant. You know, I'm a, I'm a practical guy. I love practicality. Um, and if you were to summarize the whole book of Psalms, all 150 of them, if you could distill them down to like a word, I, I think that word would be hallelujah. Like, Hallelujah. That just means praise the Lord. So all these psalms are written to the Lord. And a lot of them, even the ones of lament and grief, there's some, there's some element of, of praise built in or it's in the next psalm written by the same guy. Like, praise the Lord. That is what people that are his creation are, are to do. And it's, as you read psalms, that's, that's just what you get. And, and the thing I've come to discover even just so far in is it's actually wildly practical for me to train my heart to praise the being that made me and knows everything. And so uh, Psalm 8 is, is no different. Um, and I don't know how you, you walked in here uh, this morning, but what you need to know and what, what David's realizing and expressing in this psalm is, is that the Lord of the universe is, is mindful of you. He, he, he knows you. From your mother's womb to however old you are now, it's weird. We're not a church of 20-somethings, but everyone in here, it seems like you're all 20-somethings. You just you look good. You look youthful. You look vibrant. Uh, and so for less than 30 years now, the Lord has known you, and he's mindful of you. His mind is full of you. And so all I hope to do this morning is to raise our mindfulness of him, his, the, the magnificence, the majesty talked about in verse 1 and 9. He is magnificent. He's glorious. He's holy. He's wonderful. But are our minds in that place? Do we, do we recognize that? Do we see that? And if we can't do that on Sunday morning, the Lord's Day, how are we going to do that on all the other days that are just ours, you know, uh, and we just try to interact with him in, in scripture. It is possible, and so I, I want us to just get there. I want to raise our mindfulness uh, of, of the God that is this morning. And so mindfulness, that's kind of a buzzword in our culture a little bit. I, I've heard less about it lately, but 
For sure, you, you've probably heard something about mindfulness and meditation. The, the definition of mindful uh, is just the, the state of being conscious or aware of something, in our case this morning, someone. Uh, but mindfulness is like a, a, a meditative practice. It's, it's really, people are trying to focus on their awareness of the present moment, right? Like just get super present. Take note of how you feel and everything that's around you and just try to use all your senses, right? Like that's the, the modern day idea of mindfulness. But the, the Christian idea of mindfulness is like getting our minds full of the right things. It, I can't be aware of the present moment as a Christian with my worldview and as a human being in general, I can't be aware of the present moment if God is not in that present moment whatsoever. Because the God that created everything is in every moment. So it'd be physically impossible for me to remove him from the situation and be present in any real sense. I've missed something. And so I don't want us to miss something this morning. And so as I was preparing this, this is maybe going to sound strange to you, but I was just envisioning like the scalps of all our heads just like lifted off like a lid. And I just want to fill our minds with the majesty of, of God this morning. That's weird. I know that's how my brain works. Um, and that's my goal. So there's two kind of questions built into Psalm 8, um, kind of questions, because the first one is, Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth? That's not actually a question, but you may be questioning that this morning. Like, is God really majestic? That's kind of a weird word. We'll get to that. Is he really magnificent? Is he really holy? Is he really glorious? Or maybe my subconscious is just totally apathetic to the fact that he is. And so I hope by the end of this, that question mark becomes the exclamation point that it is in verses 1 and 9. But then the other question that, that is pretty profound and pretty practical to all of us in here is what what's a human being that you would be mindful of us so I want to just get really practically like what what is a human biblically and some have described this psalm as as a commentary of Genesis 1 and 2 if you will and so I'm excited to get there I just want to walk through it a little bit verses 1 and 2 Lord our Lord I'm, I got ESV it says oh Lord our Lord how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established your stronghold because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. What is this, this saying there in, in verse two, out of the mouths of babies and infants, you've established strength because of your foes. There's something going on here with David's life and the enemies that are surrounding him as David writes a lot of these Psalms. And I don't wanna get too much into detail uh, here, but. In Matthew 21, Jesus quotes this part of the psalm. It's right after he's overturned the tables in the temple. And it says this, The blind and the lame came to him, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers saw the wonderful things he did, and the children, children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna! God save now! Hosanna! That's what the kids are shouting as, as Jesus is doing his, his works. The, the chief priests and the teachers were indignant. And they said, Do you hear what these children are saying? And they asked they asked him, and Jesus said, yes. Have you never read Psalm 8? From the mouths of children and infants, Lord, you have called forth your praise. Here, praise is linked to strength. In the Christian life, we don't have much to offer other than praise. That is our strength. The humility that I experience when I see the gospel for what it is, which we'll also get to this morning, that, that's where my strength is. My strength comes from the Lord. It doesn't come from anything else, and so I praise him for what he's given me. And this is what the children are doing in Matthew 21, and Jesus commends them for it. Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the weak, blessed are the humble, why? Because God always establishes his stronghold on the basis of faith. 
and nothing else on the basis of praise for what he did that you and I could never. Let's keep going. Verse 3 and 4. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him? The son of man that you, you care for him. When I look at the heavens, <laughs> he says, I, uh, I'm not really super into like space or anything. Um, but when I observe the cosmos, David is saying, I feel small. You've been there? I remember vividly a moment in my life when I was like uh, 15 or so on the dock at the Lake of the Ozarks with my sister and we were just laying on our backs and the stars looked amazing. And I, we just had one of those, I've referenced this at Saw Company before, but those like, you're talking about everything and nothing sort of conversations of like, man, who are we? Like, I don't know. And we legitimately were like, I don't know if God, I wasn't a Christian at the time. I was like, I don't know if God made this. Like, it seems crazy to think this is like random, but we're just looking at the stars feeling teeny, teeny. One lake in the middle of one country in the middle of really nowhere, Missouri. Um, great, great lake though. Here's some facts for you. Uh, some of this is going to be like, yeah, I know this. You're, you're in the minority in the room. Uh, 1.3 million Earths can fit inside the sun. 1.3 million Earths. And the Earth is huge to me. The sun is 95 million miles from Earth. 95 million miles from Earth. And, and yet, this week, we're going to be like feeling its heat like none other. <laughs> it's 95 million miles away, and yet if I like am behind a tree and I step like away from the tree, it's like, ow, this is burning me. 95 million miles, maybe you don't have a concept for how far that is. If you could run a five-minute mile, which you can't, some of you are like, oh, no, I could. I used to. Well, we're mindfulness present. You can't. <laughs> um, and you didn't need to eat or sleep, which you do. You could run to the sun in 903 years, nonstop. And you're fast, remember. If you're in an Indy 500 car, shout out, going 250 miles an hour, and again, you didn't need to eat or sleep. You could get there in 45 years. Go straight, like as fast as like cars go. 45 years, you get to the sun, finally. And it's like, we'll see it out there today. Looks super close. It's not. If you had to turn around and come back, that's 90 years for those of you. I, I don't even actually know if this math is 100% right. I did the math. But <laughs> check it out. Uh, that means that if, this, if we were just 1% closer or further away, from the sun, we'd either be frozen solid or just magma. The sun, this one I don't understand, so I'll just say it. Maybe you understand it. The sun contains 99.86% of all the mass in our solar system. I think, like, I've seen some really, really big boulders, and that's not even like anything in our solar system. It doesn't even exist, really, compared to the sun. It's density and mass. Okay, let's keep getting, getting along here. Uh, light, here's more distant stuff. Light takes, anyone know how long it takes for us to like see the light that's coming from the sun? Nice, bro. Give it up for David Crandall. Eight minutes and 20 seconds. Uh, so that's like eight light minutes if I'm understanding how they use these scientific terms properly. And we know like light years is kind of like the furthest thing we can really measure stuff with. 
And recently, maybe you really, really are into science, you would know that we made like a new telescope. Go up. Humans, what are we? Pretty awesome. Um, and we, scientists could see a star, which it's crazy how they even could see it because it had, there had to be this ginormous galaxy that would bend and create like this natural magnifying glass for even the telescope to like look through and see this star that's 12.9 billion light years away. That means whatever light is coming from there, it took 13 billion years before we could even see it. I don't even have a concept in my brain. I can't transfer that to miles or Indy 500 stuff. It, it would just be longer. You understand a light year is how long light takes to travel a year. Like, it's crazy. Okay. What am I saying? We're, we're teeny tiny. Who am I? I'm like a little speck on a little tiny speck. Spinning faster than I realize I'm spinning. I'm never aware that I'm spinning as fast as I am around the sun as fast as I am. Yet I think I'm so the center of everything all the time. Verses 5 through 9. Here's what David says next. Yet you've made him a little lower than the heavenly beings. Maybe yours says angels. Maybe yours says God. It doesn't matter. You've made us slightly lower than the heavenly things and crowned us with glory and honor. You've given him dominion over the works of your hands. You put all things that you've created under his feet, all sheep and oxen, also beasts of the field, birds of the heavens, fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So, when I observe the cosmos, I feel teeny tiny. But, when I look at sheep and fish, I feel cool. Even oxen. They don't hook us up and make us run their farms. What, what am I? <laughs> David's trying to put himself in the midst of creation, right? What am I that you are mindful of me, that you, you remember me? I think it's interesting that he says what. Like, what is humankind? We often, because we're so, you know, relative and we like to compare ourselves so much, like, we're often asked the question of who am I? which is a fine, fair identity question that the gospel gets at too. But, but what, are, what are we? That's like even deeper. There's like objective fact to this question being answered. What is a human? I'm picturing like a sci-fi movie or, like, or a Disney movie maybe where like a bunny rabbit or a zebra like wakes up as a human being with new cognitive capabilities. What am I? We don't, we don't think about it because it's progressive. You know, but when you do think about it, it just blows your mind. In some ways, what is even more foundational than, than who? Am I just a random collection of atoms, or am I an image bearer of God? Am I valuable or literally nothing at all? Are we dust? Are we teeny tiny, or are we special? The biblical answer to that is yes. It's, it's a human paradox. When we look at the rest of creation, it seems like we're either puny or powerful, but no, it's, we're both. Like I'm one of a billion and uniquely one in a billion. I'm average and amazing. <laughs> so you're laughing like this dude's so arrogant. I said average too. And then the psalm ends, just like it began. Lord, 
How majestic is your name in all the earth? Like there's something David's trying to say, and, and what, part of what it, he's trying to say at least is we can't understand who we are or what it means, like what it means to be human without understanding the God who is, who created humans and everything else. And so he, he slaps verse 1 and 9 on there as just a reminder to all of us that we need to be praising the Lord. And, and the Lord's majesty is what he chooses to talk about. Majesty. We don't really use that anymore, but you used to say, like, your majesty. That'd be funny. Um, we don't say that anymore, so we don't really use the term. But majesty just means impressive beauty or dignity. So not just beauty or dignity, but, like, impressive beauty or dignity. What do you think, what do you find majestic? You know, like, do you have a concept in your brain for stuff that's like, ooh, that's majestic to me? Sidney Jones, absolutely, chief majesty of my heart. Not just beautiful. Most, okay, every day she's beautiful, but then, for example, like, our wedding day, it was, like, impressively beautiful. You know, like, my, just, I'm nervous, I want to throw up. That's majesty, baby. I, I find the 400 hurdles Someone running that race really, really good, majestic. I don't know if you care at all, but the last Olympics, both world records were set, male and female. You got two majestic creatures hopping 10 hurdles really fast. I think, I think that is majestic. And to you, it may be like, ah, I didn't even tune in. Or I did and it was kind of cool. But there's something in me that resonates and I appreciate that, and that's part of the beauty of just being unique. What do you find majestic? Is it music? Is it art? Nature? A good poetry line? Just like, wow, how'd they think of that? Good food? I appreciate good food, but I don't make good food, so I feel like if you do, you may have another level of appreciation than I do. I watch MasterChef, and I think it's cool, but I sometimes sit there and think, what if I actually cooked? This would be so much more impressive. Are you really into woodworking? Just fine craftsmanship in general, stuff people can do with lumber, buildings, an impeccable lawn, maybe a different sport, maybe some really technical mathematics stuff. Maybe you were just finding the Cosmos stuff majestic. Maybe you're a computer whiz, you know? So people, it's like, people don't understand me. No, we don't, but maybe you think, you mine for Bitcoin, for instance, and someone that's just a super, that actually like really mines for Bitcoin is just majestic to you. I don't know. I don't know, but, but what's the point I'm trying to make here? My point that I'm trying to make is being human, like one of the things that being human means is, is having a category even for majesty, for glory. We all know what it feels like to get the chills in a good way. Why might humans have this capacity even? Maybe one of the best ways I can put it this morning is God is like all of those things that could possibly give any one of us chills wrapped into a being. The source of all the majesty in the universe flows straight from his fingers. That's what David is. It's, it's so in David that he's writing these words. As I'm reading with my guys this summer through the Psalms, I'm like, I, I know we're not going to get ourselves to a Davidic place of penning words like this, 
But if we just read them and let them soak into our heart, we might actually believe them and let some of that emotion that he's feeling sink into us. So, what am I? We still haven't really answered the question. You know, we're both puny and powerful, great. But what what is there to take from Psalm 8 this morning? Uh, On a scale of I am nothing to I am the center of the universe, I don't know where you're at this morning. But I've definitely felt both of those things. I'm sure all of you have. I'm like, I don't know if I matter. You know, I don't feel, I feel worthless. So like, I don't even, I'm not aware of anyone else right now except myself. I tend to venture towards this side of the scale. Um, But in order to to understand who we, what we actually are and who we actually are, that that scale's actually not even helpful. Because on the one hand, when I'm talking about nothingness and worthlessness, I'm, I'm talking about worth. When I'm talking about center of the universe, I'm talking about my role and my place, you know? And so really there's two scales going on here. And what I, what I want us to see about being human is that while it is tough a lot of times, and I, and I do not know what to believe, I can never perfectly believe everything that's true about me that God wants me to believe. We can grow, and what the gospel helps us realize is, is what our worth is and our place is. What's my worth? Only the gospel tells me I'm of infinite worth. Because the God of everything, who was actually worthy, came down and gave up his own life for me. So while I feel puny, I know I'm important. But also, lest I be tempted to think that I'm the center of everything, that I could earn my way to him, that I could put that weight on my shoulders, that I could be important or impressive enough to earn his favor and step into glory someday, the gospel puts me in my place. Because it shows me the person that was actually perfect and actually impressive and actually everything he did was, had a touch of majesty and glory to it. And he actually is, there is a center to everything. David's like, when I look at the cosmos that you made, you're the center of the universe, not me. And so I'm free. I'm free to not be the center of the universe with all the weight of the world on my shoulders and all the, the work to be done up, the, that ain't up to me, that ain't up to you. That, if it is, good luck. You'll never be good enough. You'll never be majestic enough to step into the presence of eternal glory. But it ain't up to you. And so you can relieve yourself of that burden. You're not the center of the universe. Maybe the best and most succinct way I've heard it put is you matter, and boy, do you matter. But you're not the point. That's freedom. That can only be found in the face of the gospel. So know your, know your place, but know your worth as a human. Second, we do have the opportunity to take dominion again, mindfully and redemptively, when we've now realized the reality of the gospel and what it means when we've seen the person of Jesus and how he actually lived. And it was upside down from what we thought, and it was majesty on display in a humble way, right? And so what's it look like for us to, to take dominion like the, the second half of this psalm? Man, do what humanity was meant to do in the garden, right? Fill the earth with his glory. What does that look like? We've got to do something with our time here, right? We might as well do it with a sense of his presence as we go. 
do you see yourself as his ambassador? It'll add purpose to your work. For a decade now, I've, I've liked to use this phrase. I, I thought it was clever. Um, again, put me over here. I, I like to think I'm creative, not artsy. I would say that to people. I've said it to some of you in this room. I know you have because you called me out for it. Like, I like that. I like it too. That's why I've said it. But it was just a way for me to, to give myself some credit for being able to be creative. But knowing I wasn't really artsy, like most people think of the word creative. And the, the older I've got and the more I've, I've just unpacked and seen what Genesis 1 and 2 is talking about and the image of God that we have as the ultimate creator now displaying his glory through creation and predominantly through us, we're all creative. Some of you are creative in the traditional sense, chefs, musicians, painters, writers, craftsmen. But what about things we think of as not creative at all? You know, like Sarah Judge's in e-kids, so I'll use accounting. Do we think of accountants as creative people? No, we don't. But who are you going to give a spreadsheet to if you got trouble financially? or any, You need to make a spreadsheet for anything. You need to create a spreadsheet. You give it to Sarah Judge, not Eric Johnson, not Walker Thomas. You know? What do you like to build? What do you like to do? What, what risk do you like to take? You're an entrepreneur. You, you, we're all creative because we're all made in the image of God and so whatever you, you way you're gifted for to be a blessing to this church this city if you do it with the, the presence of God in mind if you do all things with the glory of God like first Corinthians and Colossians say it's just a better way to live your short life in the process we'll be able to like David kind of reclaim some of that sense of majesty wonder awe gratitude as we go about our days so take dominion, rightly, not in a, you know, domineering way, but in a right way. And then finally, this one is the most impractical, practical thing that's, that kind of sums up the whole psalm, but just l be mindful. <laughs> Look up. Behold. Pay attention. Maybe the best word is worship. I can't call myself a Christian and not retrain myself to worship the right being. C.S. Lewis had a, a, this is a very, very loose paraphrase of something he wrote about the Psalms. But he said, if, if the Bible was inspired by God like Christians claim it is, then before I was a Christian, I didn't want to believe in an egotistical God who wrote the Psalms for his own praise. But, then I realized so much of life is praise, is worship. We're worshiping things all the time, almost as if we can't help it and we're made to. The verbal praise of something only heightens and solidifies of enjoyment of whatever that thing is. We simply can't not worship, Lewis said, and it pointed him to what he was supposed to be worshiping the whole time because he realized we're all worshiping. The question is what, what am I looking at? for significant satisfaction, delight, joy. What does my heart sing about? And if not God, then what? And will that thing hold up over time? Uh, if you don't believe me that we're all worshipers, I was at the Indy 500, and, and uh, it was crazy. You know, the most American thing I've ever been to is how I've been describing it to people. Uh, but there was this one moment there and it was a moment that everyone that had been there before knew was coming, and all the newbies like me just had to, were along for the ride. 
and it's the flyover during the national anthem, right? So it's crazy because I wish I would have been able to picture like myself and everyone else in that moment, but all of us were looking at the same thing. 325,000 necks cranked. Why? Because there's something spectacular out of the ordinary that's about to happen. And it, it gave me chills. And I'm, I don't even geek out about science things or fast airplanes. Chills, 325,000 people with chills just because some planes were going really fast right over the top of us. We're, we're, we're made to behold stuff like this. We're not made to behold stuff like this. We're made to behold the one that is like this in all of his essence and being. And so how would I, I miss out on that moment? Well, it's actually, it's, it's like unfathomable. Like who would not look up during that? It's like, well, if you, if you were too invested in your phone or, you know, something that you thought was more majestic walked by or whatever, like you, you, it'd be very easy to actually miss it. And yet, when you know it's coming, there's like this weird mindfulness that clicks in of like, I just want this moment to last as long as possible. You know, I don't want to blink. I don't want to see it all. When's the last time you're, you spent time with God that was like that? I just want time to slow down right now. This is too good. You're too good. Maybe that's convicting to some, but it's, it's, it is really possible. If you're a Christian, you know that feeling. I, I'm telling you, the thing that's changed is not the God that you were delighting in in that moment. It's definitely us. It's shocking how easy it is to miss the glory of God in the day-to-day, but trust me, it's there. From a practical end, too, the more fascinated we are about the gospel, the more others in our lives might start to get curious about what that good news really is. Guess what the other 100,000 did? It's like, hey, what are you looking at? Let me get a look. And even if they don't naturally want to look with you, a loving person would just master the art of the gentle backhand. Hey, look at what's fascinating to me. Help people see what they've never seen before. That's, that's part of the call. That's part of what David is doing for us, you realize. He's trying to help us with the words he's penning. See what maybe we have seen before, but just get taken back again, breathless. Here's the message of, of the Psalms and really the Old Testament. The whole Old Testament. What is God doing? Why do we even have it? I think part of what you could argue is God is saying, hey, pay attention. Be mindful. Watch. Here, here they come. Look what I'm about to do. And then he sends Jesus. And now the picture is even clearer. And like David, we just say, wow. Wow. So you're, you're that mindful of me. That's how you were planning to quiet and still the enemy. Jesus, our Lord, how majestic is your name? in all the earth. Have you, have you become like an infant and confessed in a childlike belief in the gospel? I, 
it takes real humility to do so because you really have to get yourself out of this place and see the one who's paid, paved the way for you. When you do, the, the evil things that feel like they have a stronghold in your life can actually be torn down, as can the lesser things you've been mindfully setting up as ultimate and supreme that aren't. We come to Jesus as dust, really, and he makes us an ambassador. He redeems us. We actually fulfill what Genesis wanted us to fulfill all along. It's crazy. We don't need to do it perfectly. God's greatness in the cross is displayed as supremely good, too. The cross shows us how mindful she is. If you, if you got a Bible, go ahead and turn to Hebrews 2. This is um, the most poignant New Testament quote of this psalm. You may have been confused throughout the middle of that psalm with like just the language there of like mankind versus, it's kind of like switching between plural and singular. singular. That's because it, it is both. Like have, you, have humans been crowned with glory and honor and placed above all the, the rest of creation? Yes. But who's the ultimate human? Who, who's the perfect picture of humanity? It's Jesus and that's why Hebrews 2 attributes it, it to him. What is man that you're mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than angels. You've crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. And then here's what it says, commenting on this psalm. Now, in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside of his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. What does that mean? It, you can look out the world and still see brokenness. I don't see everything in subjection to King Jesus right now. Hebrews says, yeah, I know. But, we do see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. So that we might not taste death. For a little while, the God of all creation stepped into creation. Why? To get rid of brokenness and death and sin and hell and everything. That's the gospel. That's why... Most of the Psalms, you could sing them to the God of the universe that you think of as creator and father, and you could also sing them to Jesus. You're just as accurate. Lord Jesus, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So let's be mindful of him as he's mindful of us. Amen. As we do, we start to change. You know, we start to realize we have so much more dignity and worth than we realize, and yet we're so much further from the center of everything than we realize, too. We set our minds above, and we become deeply mindful of the good news. We train ourselves to just fill our minds with that every morning. And we become way less mindful of our own self-interest and way more mindful of others. That's crazy. I was realizing as I was reading this text, like, God and me are mindful of the same thing a lot of the time. Me. One of those things is twisted. And one of those is beautiful and comforting. It means I don't have to be thinking about me as much. Are you dust? Yes. But are you special? Oh, yeah. And the only way for us to flourish in life is to deeply understand both those things. And in order to deeply understand both those things, you've got to see the gospel. 
when we hear it rightly, it demands your attention. It's captivating. I pray we'd let Psalm 8 run its course this morning and get our hearts to a place of praise like David's as we sing a few more songs and take communion. Would you pray with me? God, uh, I was pretty anxious about preaching through the Psalms this summer. I, I was because I'm practical, because I like tasks. Um, and I thank you for just what you're already doing in our midst uh, as you help us, because we need help even praising you. God, thanks for the, the majesty and the glory that you've put in us, <laughs> that we, we really are of infinite worth. Um, and you proved it by slaying the infinite one. And uh, yeah, we don't want to ever get tired of, of singing songs about that, of coming up with new ones, of of discovering more of the truths packed into the Old Testament and the New that point us ultimately to Jesus, uh, who was your plan from forever to redeem us and to show us something about yourself that we'd never see if the gospel wasn't true. So God, thanks for inviting us into majesty and glory and honor. And uh, would you just help us get a taste of that this morning as we sing to you? And would you help us throughout our week to really believe and to see and to look up and to not miss what you're doing? We love you. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about us or to get connected, please visit embassybtown.org.